Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 112 on the com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, then click on one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and also via iTunes for free. To get your questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them to me or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode 112, uh, Trump is officially president-elect and stuff, although a lot of people are still looking for technicalities. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. Something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I actually said at the start of the show, we're going to leave sort of like a little, well, most of the Trump talk to one side. It's hard not to mention him, you know, um, our new leader of the free world. But <laughs> um, I said, let's try and change it up a bit. Like, we usually spend some time, you know, yapping at a tangent about movies and whatever and that's all good and fun but i was thinking let's uh sort of speak to alex a bit and get a catch up from him on his sort of uh life now in terms of poker and i believe he's got some future plans coming up next month and stuff that are quite exciting and interesting and that so um yeah we're just going to take it from there uh alex Uh, you recovered from all your election noise and stuff as well yeah i mean you know he's uh he just he just put the breitbart ceo in so you know that's an outright idiot but well uh you know what i mean we're uh we're we're headed that direction you know viva le pen anyway uh it's uh see if anyone catches that reference who's american but yeah anyway no uh yeah things are good here i'm uh I'm going. Uh, I'm going to Prague next month for the entire month, which should be a pretty good time. By the way, they're doing construction next door. Uh, they're normally pretty quiet, quiet, but uh, earlier this morning I had to get. A, I had to wake up at the crack of. Uh, I used to say the crack of enough, but I guess I can't say that anymore. Um, I had to get up at like eight this morning to do this radio show, and. Uh, I assumed they were doing, like, AM radio or something. That's why I woke up so early. And then they were like, yeah, this is going to play in December. And I'm like, all right. And uh, it just, everybody, I'm not making this up. Like, a guy came to my door and knocked five times. It was a security guard. I got to pay him. But he knows I know. And, like, so I just didn't answer. And then they started using the radial arm saw next door and started whacking things with hammers. And then a garbage truck started pulling out. And it was like... Like, literally, like, a 12-minute segment, and all this stuff happened, and it was just pure silence right after, and I was like, all right, cool, but yeah, no, I'm going to be in Prague all next month, Uh, essentially after my divorce, it wasn't really bad, but at the same time, I was thinking, I do not want to be in Costa Rica during Christmas, right, because... Mm. You know what I mean? Like, the family would invite me over, but it's, you know, I don't don't want to impose and stuff like that, you know, and I don't don't want them to feel bad. Like, right now, the family's super, 
the family's always been super good to me and my ex-wife for that matter. But like, you know, I, I don't want them to feel like, oh, you got no place to go. Come here for Christmas. And it's like, hey, it's the ex-husband who's ready, you know. But, uh, it, you know, but I was thinking I hadn't seen my mom and my sister for Christmas in years. And I, 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 I went to Prague like eight years ago. And I remember thinking I never had this thought in any other European city. But I was like, I have to take my family here. Because if you guys have never been to Prague, it looks like it looks like a Disney cartoon. Like I, it has the most castles per capita of any country, right? And it's just when the snow's coming down and they're serving you like hot chocolate that literally tastes like the best chocolate in the world just got melted, right? And you know you're walking through all that uh, the cobblestone streets and like lit. In America, I mean, like, what's old to us is like, you know, that McDonald's was here 24 years ago when I moved here, you know? <laughs> so, like, when you see, like, a cathedral that was built in, like, the 1400s, it's pretty breathtaking for us. And I just was like, I got to take my mom and sister here. And I didn't really have the money at the time, but I said, screw it. And I booked everything. And I just said, I'm going to, this is going to make me work harder. And, yeah, it's, um, it has happened. So I'm working uh, I'm working a little harder, but I don't mind because it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. I I I run it out. The other cool thing is you have Airbnb now. You know what I mean. In the old days, like, I I wanted to rent an apartment in Hungary, and you, you had to like know the prime minister or whatever the hell they have there. I don't know, but they like you had to. Yeah, I mean, you had to know a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. And I finally got in a, a flat there for like a, a week, and it, it it was just a dump. You know what I mean? But I, I was just so happy because it wasn't, you know, like I, I didn't have to go to the Four Seasons or wherever they make us go uh, for these mm -hmm. poker tournaments, right? That are just, they're overpriced to begin with. Then they sell them to the poker sites and the, over, uh, the poker sites like mark it up, you know, 200%. So, you know, because they think you're all, just, I mean, and it's also a tactical thing. They don't want professionals at these tournaments. I don't care what they say. They want them to be like little vacations for people, you know. But yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. Long story short, gonna be in Prague, gonna be playing a few tournaments there, gonna be hanging out there for the winter, and then uh, yeah, afterwards I'm gonna come back to Costa Rica for at least a month, and you know I'm gonna kind of tidy up a lot of things with my business, and I gotta get, I gotta get my dogs. You have to get them a bunch of different licenses and uh, certificates to bring them to the states, and then. I think I'm going to go to the States for a while because stateside, there's just a lot of tournaments like within very close areas. And it's like getting from state to state is a lot cheaper than getting from country to country in Europe. Uh, like when I was a kid, because, you know, you have to pay exit taxes and airport taxes and then, uh, you know, uh, entrance taxes and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, going from Arkansas to Utah, you know, you, you might get a Southwest flight for 67 bucks, but yeah, I don't, not really sure where I'm going to live. Uh, I don't really need much. There's that arm saw, you know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not the one hour podcast without the arm saw. Yeah, exactly. Or construction something. has been going on for years. They must be building like a, bro, a huge hotel right bro, next bro, to your door. <laughs> bro, there was a house behind me. And it took them six months to build, and it was over. And I remember walking out that day and being like, oh, thank God, that's over. And looking to my right and seeing the developers for, like, the lot of land right next to me walking up and discussing construction plans with blueprints. I was like, are you serious? And then, of course, I got divorced. So by the time all this is done, I'm out of here. 
which is awesome. You know what I mean? It's like, sweet. I got all the noise, all the pain. And like, you know, I got the, uh, you know, coming close to a fist fight with a construction worker because he threw a Coke can in my yard. And, you know, it, it, but, you know, once it's all over, it's all over. It, it, I'm out of here. But yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm going to, I don't really need a whole lot in the States because I mean, here's the big thing I was realizing. I, I mean, this was something that really was really frustrating to me it, when I was married was that I had, I had three people I was trying to appease. One was my backer who reasonably wanted me playing a lot more. Uh, two was my wife at the time because she had a, you know, she has a college degree. She has a, uh, she's a doctor in this country. She has like a typical life. Right. And like a typical nine to five schedule. Right. And then at the same time I was trying to please myself and there was a lot of, you know, there, there was a lot of things that I wasn't, I, I wanted to work on. Like I wanted to write, I wanted to still do things in poker and none of, I couldn't keep any of these things together. It was just, the backer wanted me playing a lot more. Uh, my and then I bought this house, and the house was not that expensive. But these are the things about houses you don't know. You know what I mean? It's like you buy the house, and then it, it, there's just so many things that need to come together. You know what I mean? You have to buy all the furniture for the place. Well, now you're a little outside the city, so you got to buy a car. Well, now the back part is a little exposed, so you have to redo that. Now you got to. Uh, you know, you got a garden, you got a, and uh, there was just, you know, and then there's house taxes, I mean, property taxes, and then there's income taxes in your new country. And it was just, so I would like wake up and I would do a bunch of poker lessons to pay my bills, which I didn't mind. I mean, it, it's definitely a lot harder than uh, people realize uh, for me to do, you know, if somebody's going to pay you $200 an hour, like you're going to have to deliver quite a lesson for them to feel like that was justified. You know what I mean? You're not, I never mail it in. I don't, I can't do that. And then, uh, after that, you know, your energy's kind of depleted and then you got this backer. It's like, you know, he wants you to play, but you might be playing till like eight, 10 PM at night. And that's not really fair to your wife. Who's, you know, justifiably wants, you know, to have her husband there. Right. And then I was just always trying to balance it out. And, uh, I didn't, you know, I, I never felt like I could get it done. And um, it, it was, uh, I, I, I felt like I also, I needed some help and I didn't get it from, you know, both people. And no, I mean, I did get it. I mean, they were patient as much, but like at a certain point I was just like, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, you know, and it was really tough uh, trying to get it to work. And eventually, you know, I mean, that's just, that's the most like soul. I don't care what anyone says, like suburbia can eat your soul out. You know what I mean? Because all the trappings of suburbia take, so you're supposed to like get your paycheck and use 80% of it and save 20% of it. You know what I mean? Everybody likes to complain about, you know, in, in, in my old neighborhood, it was always like, oh, the Asians have all the money. And I'm like, yeah, they save 20% of it for 40 years. And then they get to buy the corner store. That's how it works. You know what I mean? And then when they get that corner store, they work 16 hours a day. That's how you make sure you're fa And you ever notice that when they get married, they don't get divorced? You ever seen that? It may be to a fault sometimes, but, you know, the kids grow up with mommy and daddy. You know what I mean? That's something we don't do a lot of the times. You know, they're just poor, stupid whites in the States. 
And uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, but what I was doing is like I would try to save 20% and then just things kept coming up constantly. And then it was like, you know, uh, then the United States like seized all my money with Black Friday. And then when they finally gave it back to me, they hit me with, uh, you know, like you owe us this exorbitant amount for taxes. So now I got to pay the lawyers so they can't just take, you know, and I mean, like the, the stupidest thing is I got most of this solved right at, after I got divorced. You know what I mean? And that was the, like, I, I literally wanted to take my coffee cup and like throw it through my plate glass window. You know, I was so because like I figured things out with the backer. We came up with a different arrangement that allowed me to work a little bit more. And what I started doing is uh, I was giving him part, I, I, you know, I was giving him percentages of my teaching fees because that then he gets paid every month. You know what I mean? And then uh, I, I would sell pieces to kind of not have it like uh, it, not have him just investing all the money because that can be tough. And, you know, the work pressure off a little bit more, things would have probably worked a little different in my marriage. But now, right now, I mean, uh, the biggest failure of my life was getting divorced. And I mean, but maybe that's why everybody tells you not to get married at 25, because you're, I was mentally retarded at 25. And, you know, I'm probably pretty stupid now. Uh, but I'm a little smarter than I was then. And I realized I was doing so many things wrong. You know what I mean? And to be, uh, to be honest with you, I, I mean, there was also there was a matter of they put me on this medication that was really good for many years. And it just kind of stopped working right after I got married. And that happens a lot with medications, but then there's like the juggling process uh, when you're going back and forth to the doctor and stuff like that. And eventually they figured it out. And now I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. I, I feel in really good shape. I, you know, I lift weights, I run uh, a lot of days and I feel great, but you know, it was a long process to get there. And unfortunately my, you know, my ex-wife had to kind of deal with me throughout the whole time. And my backer had to deal with me the whole time. And now, but the thing is like, it was the biggest failure in my life, but at the same time, I'm really healthy right now. I'm really set up. And people talk about like, when you read books about like high performers, like really good uh, performers, in a lot of different fields, right? They, they don't just practice. Like people always do that stuff. Like it's 10,000 hours of practice. It's like, well, I've probably jogged 5,000 hours in my life. I still run very slowly. I don't, I don't, you know, that, that was a, that was an example Angela Duckworth used in her fantastic new book, Grit, which I recommend everybody read. But it, it like I jog, you know, four times a week and I've done so for, I mean, it's going on 13 years. I've done it since ever, ever since I got out of American football because I just ballooned in weight after that happened. And it just occurred to me, I have to, you know, I have to do something here because apparently my body needs exercise. And I, I'm not much better at jogging than when I started. In fact, I'm probably slower than I was when I was 18 by a good margin. You know what I mean? So uh, apparently just practice doesn't do it. It has to be you know, very deliberate. Like, what are you trying to improve? What are, what's the specific thing that you're trying to achieve? How are you going to do that? How are you going to get feedback on that? And I'll be honest with you. I used to be better about how much I had to teach because I was trying to like this suburban life cost me a lot more money than I ever realized it, it would. And I mean, it, it just, you know, things came up like it, 
like there were, I mean, there was just a lot of things that weren't, weren't anybody's fault. You know what I mean? But I had a problem with my roof. Uh, you know, the guy came up there and he was like, yeah, the, no developer would have ever picked this up because this happened in the last year. And then there was, you know, it, there was just, I, I overextended myself too. I was like, yeah, I can, I can work harder. I can open this business. I can do that. Right. And I was actually having a lot of fun doing that, but it was overextending myself. And I, I realized, <laughs> I mean, I realized you know, that, that was really tough, but like what I want to do now is just getting like the cheapest place I can get because I don't really need anything really expensive. I need a desk. I need a working internet connection. Uh, I'm taking my dogs because they're my dogs, damn it. And they're, they're like, uh, uh, because one I got, I like adopted and like she literally couldn't walk when I got got her now she can run and everything and like she's just my baby right and she's attached to me so i couldn't get rid of her and you know she has uh that dog has a daughter that's been with her since birth so i couldn't really separate them so i got two dogs and they're little ones but they're still you know they they still love to bite my ankles and be pains in the asses but they're uh essentially i just need a place that'll allow my dogs and like I can have clean coffee and a clean bed and a desk and an internet connection. That's really all I need. And, you know, uh, Carlos Welch actually recommended uh, Laughlin, Nevada, which is, I think they have poker there, but it's since it's outside of Las Vegas, I think it's a lot softer, but more than that, they have hotels there that are pet friendly that are $30 a night. Right. Which is, if you think about like maid service, and, you know, what I mean? stuff like yeah. that, uh, security around the place at nine hundred dollars a month. Uh, that's pretty insane. You know what I mean? And it's like if I rented like some dive in Seattle, it would be thirteen hundred a month. And let's say something went out like I couldn't walk up to a front desk and be like, hey, could you fix this? Right. I would have to call the landlord who probably didn't want to speak to me. And he might come out next Monday if he was feeling like it, you know, and. That, that to me is fine. The only thing I'm worried about is how I'm going to run uh, because I hate running on treadmills and I hate running in the state of Nevada because it's so hot. But, you know, I figure, I don't know, I'm on a pretty weird schedule these days anyway. So, like, literally, I woke up on, what day is it? Uh, Thursday. Yeah, I woke up on Tuesday at 3 p.m. and I did not go to sleep till yesterday at 8 p.m., and like, yeah, that was, that was just fine with me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't mind that. I, this is what I used to do back in the old days, which was everybody does that crap. Like, Oh, if I could have a superpower, I would like to sleep less. Right. I've never slept less in my life, but what I do is I'll sleep like nine hours twice in three days. Right. Which averages out to six hours a night, which is about sleep hygiene wise. That's about as far as you can push it. If you're a healthy man in your twenties, uh, but I, I hate sleeping six hours and waking up. You know what I mean? That pisses, I'll sleep 20 minutes and wake up. I'll sleep for an hour and then wake up. I'm fine with that. I'll sleep for four hours, wake up, do something, then go to bed for three hours. And that was the other thing. Like, I'm just not domesticated yet. You know what I mean? Like, I was trying so hard to make this life work, the marriage, and I wanted the kids and the suburban house and all that, and I really really wanted that. That was really what I wanted when I got into poker was just kind of, I wanted access to the middle class without getting 
150k in student debt. You know what I mean? And no college would take me anyway. So with my grades and my uh, scores or anything. So I, I saw this as kind of a way out of poverty. And the dream was always to get married to a beautiful woman, a smart woman, a great woman. And I did do that. And, you know, have the kids and have the house and everything. But the problem with that is when you're in your 20s, a lot of guys just have too much energy and they have too much that they're trying to get done in their 20s and 30s. You know what I mean? And there was, uh, I, I bet if I was like 41 and just, you know, like working six, eight hours a day, uh, that would be fine. But, you know, like being 26 with a ton of things you want to get done and there a lot of dreams and, you know, you would, I would wake up and I'd have to do the lessons just to pay my bills. And then, you know, I'd have like five hours before my wife got home and that was it. You know what I mean? It was just impossible to get anything done. You know what I mean? And it was like, well, I can work and piss her off because justifiably after she gets done, you know, working, making people walk again, she probably should be able to have a husband she comes home to. Right. And then, you know, at the, at the beginning, it, it was just, you know, it was just tough. You know what I mean? Like, I would just, you know, I was trying to, like, clean up around the house, too, because I was the one home all day, and it was me and the dogs I got that were messing it up. But then you're, like, you're cleaning a house all day, and then you're working 12 hours a day, and it's not really productive because, you know, at certain points I was trying to run the clinic out of here, and it was just, you know, man, it, it's, it's just tough. You know what I mean? But now... You know, I mean, for better or worse, I'm on my own right now, and I know what I'm doing these days, you know what I mean? I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't need a woman to feel good about myself, you know? That's the thing that blows my mind, Barry, is like, how many guys our age are just, I, I mean, excuse me for this word, but just pussies, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, like, just always need a woman around them to, like, tell them, like, oh, you're cool, you're blah, 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 and I'm like, the, to me, like, dating right now like would just be an insult to a decent woman because i do not have my crap together you know what i mean i have no shame that i don't have my crap together i'm really proud of myself for trying i learned quite a bit about relationships uh and i learned quite a bit about being an adult uh through this experience even though it didn't end well and like when i look at my 32 year old grab ass buddies who you know they just they still live with their parents, Barry. Like they still, they just smoke pot and live with their parents and yell that, you know, I got to pay more taxes to help them go to college. And it's like, I don't think you need money, buddy. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I think you need sobriety in Jesus Christ myself. But yeah, it's like, uh, and you need a shower too while you're at it. But there, it's, it, it's one of those things, like I've learned a lot from this situation and I know what I want to do right now. And what I want to do is write and I want to play poker. And guess what? I get to write and play poker. Those are my dreams. And I get to do that. And when I teach poker, I was such a like little brat. I was so mad about how much I had to teach poker. That was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me because what I was going into with deliberate practice before I got off on a tangent, because I do that. Uh, the, the thing about deliberate practice is, you got to really analyze yourself and get feedback. What better feedback in the world is there but other professional poker players that do this for a living? I've had multiple number one pocket fives online pros. I've had huge live pros. I've had players of the year live. And if I present them a theory and they can poke a hole in it, I don't get paid, right? So 
I need to know what the hell I'm doing, right? And it's all word of mouth in this industry, right? So if they use my tactics and they don't work, uh, they're going to go ahead and tell their friends. And that's never happened to me. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, there's times I've been wrong. I'm not going to say like I've never been wrong, but my poker game, I feel like is monstrous right now, right? Which is really weird for me to say because it's the more you master something, the more you realize how far away you are from something. But like yesterday during my like 30 hour day, I like, I read a poker book, like start to finish uh, because I have a business manager right now and he assigns me homework. Like this guy's incredible. He scours the internet for like the stuff that people are talking about the most. And then he does that work for me and then he sends it to me. And since he's a poker guy himself, he, I, you know, I, I, I digest it and then I go, okay, this and this and this is what's really important. Right. And then I, I develop it with him and then it's developed for my students. And it's like, I have this incredible streamlined process to become this better poker player and to become a better poker player. I'm really hoping to become the white Phil Jackson this year, you know, but you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even catch that. Would you Barry? But yeah, there's, <laughs> you wouldn't even catch that. You wouldn't even catch that. You won't, you, you don't know nothing about basketball anyway. And, and anyhow, but like I have this incredible streamlined way of becoming a better poker player. And I have, an incredible streamlined way of becoming a better writer. I have a book published. Do you know what that does for me in like writing circles or when I approach publishers or when I tell people I want to learn, you know, everybody's dream is getting a book published. I have one published and I'm about to get another one published here soon. And like I was on the way to the print shop yesterday because I was going to scan my edits because I do them by hand because I'm old school and because I hate editing on a computer. It's such a world-class pain in the ass. And I, I, was, I was taken with two thoughts. One, I was reading the thing and I realized I do not know enough about grammar as I should because with grammar, you know what I mean? I, I know how to write okay in English, but I can't write really well. I can write actually I can write really decently in English. I know how to write to make people entertained and I know how to write to teach people, but I I don't know like the ins and outs of writing. It's not something I've mastered like poker, right? And but at the same time I was I was overtaken with the thought like I'm doing it right now. I'm scanning my pages to send to another publisher and now I've been published in the United States, and this publisher is German, right? And it, it's, it's like a self-publishing operation, right? And I just assisted with the book. I didn't write the entire book. But I was just overtaken with the thought, like, I'm doing this right now, right? And all the tools are out there for self-publishing these days. You can do it on your own and Kindle. And there's guys making $20,000 a month off of Kindle books that are 10, 15,000 words. You know what I mean? But they just, they appeal to a specific niche of the market they're really well done they spend money on the covers and the editing and stuff like that and it's like yeah. i know how to do all this stuff and i'm like i'm really overtaken with the possibilities of everything and the idea you know i i'm just i want to save like 50 percent of my income and just really sock it away get all this annoying crap done like i paid off all my back taxes almost all of them right i have uh, you know, well, I have $40,000 left on it, but like compared to you, I mean like a 10 year 
uh, reign of terror, getting drunk in every city and wasting, like getting, you know, uh, $50,000 in a, like a fake Gucci bag and then going back to Malta and not knowing where that money was months later, going through all the receipts, accounting for all of that, and then seeing what the total was, <laughs> paying it to the United States, getting an installment plan, paying entire years off, and then at the end being like, oh, wow, I'm down to a number I've won in a tournament one time before, you know, at multiple times. Yeah. I've had multiple six-figure scores. It's not like $40,000 is unattainable for me. Like, that's an incredible weight off my shoulders. I just wish, you know, I shouldn't, I, honestly, you don't know this stuff when you're 25, but you shouldn't get married until you have your crap together. And I didn't have my crap together, and I should have been, more forthcoming, but you're just stupid when you're 25, you know what I mean? You're just, you're just dumb, you know? And I was just, I didn't, I figured I could figure it out, but it's like when you get married, I don't, I don't care for like true femininity to me is like very graceful, really wise, but this feminism crap where the guy is not in charge of the house in a lot of different ways. That is just BS because once you become married, you realize like if you slack off, that is very hard on the woman. You know what I mean? And we're breeding these like men, these man ch children who like, they just don't have their crap together. And the woman has to take care of everything. And that just wasn't on, that just wasn't me. You know what I mean? And then, uh, but at the same time, you put people through a lot of stress when you're sorting through back taxes and mortgages and, uh, home taxes, not to mention income tax in the country you just moved to, you know what I mean? And then your residence process and stuff like that. And it, yeah, you know, but I, I'm really, I'm, I'm amazed. You know, I got Carlos Welch as my life coach and I got like this brilliant dude uh, as my business coach. And I feel uh, that Carlos, I have not told him that's his title, but I've decided in my cabinet, you know, I'm assigning people like Trump right now, Barry, you know, for the transition. <laughs> I've decided Carlos Welch is the life coach. Carlos Welch is the smartest dude. Like, I kiss this guy's ass too much. But, I mean, here's the thing. I know a ton of poker players, and they do not have enough. It does not matter how much money they have, how nice the house is. That's the thing I don't get about these guys. They, they make all this money, and they can buy a very humble house, but, like, not a small house, like a three-bedroom in Vegas. But, dude, it's not enough. They need the seven bedroom with the huge pool and the diving board and the elevator. And it's like, dude, why? Like, you know what I mean? Like what? And then they're paying, you know, 10,000 a month on the mortgage and then things get low. And that's when you see the guys like scam and run off with the money or, you know, yeah. just leave their back or anything. Like Carlos Welch is smarter than all of us because he is literally happier than all of us in the back of a van in the desert. Okay, like that is how smart that dude is. And by the way, he gets to live it up a lot of the time because he's a really pleasant person to be around. So he gets to learn from me and he gets to ha I, I like have like when I have an extra bed in my hotel room, it's not even like it. It's not even something I consider every other poker player. I'm like, yeah, how much are you going to you know, how much are you going to pay me? Right. You know, uh, to sleep in that bed, because I'm going to be dealing okay. with, you know, a lot of guys coming home drunk. I'm going to I'm going to do deal with a lot of guys, you know, needing a lot of different things. Like Carlos is just a sponge. He listens to everything. He's got a really good attitude. He's happy with what he's got. He's really happy to be learning. And so like when I have an extra bed, it's just like, yeah, oh yeah, whatever. Hey, hey dude, you can say, I hate waste. You know what I mean? I hate when they put me in a two bedroom by accident 
And like, to me, that's wasteful. You know what I mean? There's homeless people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm sorry, they're not coming into my house, but somebody should be in that uh, bed just being <laughs> able to crash. You know what I mean? And that, that's kind of where I want to put myself. I just want to humble myself and try to learn again. And I'm really, you know, my business manager could see that. And he's like, read this book. You know what I mean? He's like, this book made a lot of noise in these circles. And he's like, okay, right. I told him yesterday I got done early. And he was like, great. Here's this one. He sent me another, like right after that. Right. Or sent me to buy another. Right. And I'm actually learning again. I'm just hungry. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with battle rap, like battle rap. I kind of came in on this like grandiose fashion, you know, like battling the source is my first ever battle. And then plan nine was supposed to be a small battle, but he kind of, he's kind of, he's blown up a lot more since then. He's got, he has battles with, you know, like 50,000 views and stuff like that. He's battled on the different coasts. And then like Cannon and I, I mean, it was just all main events, you know what I mean? That I came in on. I just want to humble myself now. I want to be in the culture. I want to be listening to the bars and I just want to be, you know, like small room battles, like working on the craft, working on the flow and listening, just really listening and learning and writing. And I, I'm just, I'm excited for that process. I'm sad about how this all came about, but like, I don't, I don't have any regrets because I know myself and there was no part of me that wanted to be divorced. There was no part of me. I, up until the very end, I was holding out hope, trying everything. I didn't, you know, I did nothing that brought this on, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, if you if you beat on your old lady or you were banging your secretary, you know you kind of ended this. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have anything like that. You know what I mean? So it was kind of, you know, I'm glad I learned a lot. I'm just, I'm looking to the future, and I'm pretty excited. You know what I mean? And a big part of that, by the way, to all you listeners is you guys, because you guys, you guys come out in droves for everything I do. And I get, I get so much more support than I could imagine, I could ever imagine anybody else getting. So I, I really thank you guys for that. Yeah, yeah, that's um, good. And it's also good to hear from you in terms of like your post, post uh, divorce and stuff. Because you said for a wee while, you know, like to the listeners, things were, you know, personal stuff and that. And then you decide, you know, you tell everyone once right. you can. And then it's good. I think it's good for rather than us bang on about Trump again for thirty five months. Yeah. Um, we can talk about you and your your future going forward and stuff because it is the Ask Alex show, and I know everybody's interested in stuff and and is written for you and that. So um, I appreciate that. Yeah, guys. It, it, it's that, hard for me to talk about myself. I know I don't talk about myself that often, but I appreciate you guys giving me. <laughs> but like, Barry wasn't sure if I was joking for a second. <laughs> like, no, uh, no. if you guys are real. Like, I'm a huge nerd. I like to record everything that's going on, everything I'm listening to, everything I'm thinking about. If you guys are, if you guys want to check out, like, the classic blogs are back, you know what I mean? Just the daily blogs. You can check that out at PokerHeadRush.com, by the way. I'm, I'm publishing daily blogs again because, I mean, it's just, you know, it's me and myself in this big old house, and I'm not big on TV or anything, you know? So I, I just, I write down some thoughts every couple minutes, and, it ends up being these massive 5,000 word entries with like CDs and analysis and stuff. But if, if you're a real nerd like me, I think you guys will dig it at pokerheadrush.com. If you were digging today's episode, be sure to check that out. But yeah, sorry, sorry, Barry. I, you know, you were talking so much in that first 30 minutes, I had to cut you off, but yeah. Okay. You can talk, you can talk a little bit more now. No, no, I just think it's really interesting. The, like the Carlos Welch, as I say, I met up with him in when I was in Vegas 
And I've always thought about that myself. When I, you know, when I was single, I always thought, you know, you go live in the hotel, cheap, cheap, for as long as you can, and do it. There's something romantic about yes. it, and this, you know, yeah. something good about it. Like you're playing a movie in your head or something. I don't know. It like, is, dude. Know, but, no, no, I, uh, it's totally true. That's why I'm writing everything down. I feel like the, the movie's back on. You know what I mean? It was like yeah, becoming a suburbanite was something I thought I really wanted, but I didn't understand. I have so much more respect for my married friends with kids that got it all together. That is a learned skill. That is tough, you know what I mean? But a lot of guys, you got to make your money. It's a lot easier to learn if you don't have to go like, hey, kids, sorry, dad has to work till 10 tonight. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, it is kind of like, I mean, especially being a writer. It's like in the old days, I was like literally like in the jungles of like Thailand, like writing, you know what I mean? And that was like... It's back on, baby. I can. I'm. I'm back in Prague. You know what I mean. Assassinato's mm-hmm. back. What's good? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, I feel. I feel you. But hey, man, uh, marriage is great. You know, you'll you'll do great, Barry. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> <laughs> talk about singlehood for 35 minutes. <laughs> Congratulations on your engagement, Barry. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been engaged two years. So, um, I've been with this girl for a while, man. Eight, been... eight years. Eight years yeah. we've been together. I yeah, mean, if so... you if you guys have been doing well for eight years, yeah, you'll be yeah. fine in my book. I know, but how much of that is me? It's just giving up. Right <laughs> I'm just such a dark sense of Scott. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Yeah, but I'm I mean, joking. I think like twenty five thirty is the real cutoff. Like that was the other thing is my wife and I were very different people when we got together. I was twenty one when I met her. You know what I mean? You think about that. You think about how. I was I, I had just turned old enough to get an alcoholic beverage in the United States. Not like I hadn't been drinking for you know six years yeah. prior to that, but like it, 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 you change a lot as a person. And to be fair to her, I uh, you know I, I not all the changes were good. You know what I'm saying? Now anyway, I don't know. It was it, it's tough, man. That stuff is tough. And yeah, I was real depressed for a while. And I thank you all for sending your uh reams of support i'm still you know i can be a bummer deal once in a while but i don't it's just weird how feelings pass you know what i mean like you you think like i'm never gonna get over this person i can't believe this stuff happened i can't and you just think about it and you think about it and you think about it and just one day you realize like i guess it's over like it, you, i don't i don't have that pain you know what i mean like i have it i mean it's always gonna be there it's always gonna be a part of me but like I'm not, you know, I'm not, like, dying, you know what I mean? I'm not, like, yeah. crying, wondering what I... Well, it's cliches, isn't it? Life goes on, you know? Yeah, that, exactly. It, so it, this too it, shall so pass. So this... T- what the hell is the phrase? This too shall pass. Unless, yeah, yeah. It, unless your feet got frostbitten and it had to be cut off in Mount Everest, that's not going to pass, I'm sorry to tell you. But, yeah, anyhow, it's... Uh, okay. Let's move on. All right, so enough of the psychiatrist couch for Alex. Jesus, it does go on. <laughs> <laughs> I only asked how he was doing. <laughs> Forty minutes later. Um. Okay. I'm joking. Of At course. least you uh, speak English. The people around here look really confused when I talk to them like this for forty minutes. You know. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. And that's that's just in the grocery store as well. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, okay. Uh, right. Let's get right into the questions and get on with these, and uh, we can we can get this done. Yeah. So uh, let's start providing the the answers that the people want, Alex. Yeah, geez. Um. Okay. This one is <laughs> this one is from Lucas. Uh, hi, I'm going to play a live MTT in a few weeks. I've not played in over a year. 
What advice would you give me for approaching this game? What should I be doing the first few levels to feel the table out? And any other any other advice would be good also. Well, you should sign up for Live Poker 101 because that's pretty much your best bet. You can write me at alex at pokeredrush.com about that. But if you don't have 800 bucks laying around for a 40-hour series, uh, I would also recommend you just go and play like some dinky cash game somewhere. It can even be like a home game at your you know jackass buddy's house if they're playing for five bucks. And I, I mean, there is, I, it took me a really long time to like, it's really weird to me. I cannot play live for four months and I'll show up and it'll be like, I haven't missed a day, but you got to remember, I got more than a decade in this game. Like for the longest time, like, and I mean, Jock is always on me about this. Like when I go to, uh, and when I go to a live tournament, there's the other dude who could always bum a bed for me and I wouldn't worry about it. But like, yeah, it, like I'll show up for a live tournament. I'll be like, yeah, I'm just going to play tomorrow. And he's like, man, like go out and play a little cash right now. Even if it's just for like 45 minutes, you know what I mean? Even if you don't play a single hand, even if it's stakes, you can't stand because you need to get into And he's got a damn good point because you got to get used to holding the cards. You got to get used to people looking at you again. You kind of get, you kind of have to get used to the timing of everything. That's actually something that's really interesting to me. I don't, I have not played poker in Prague or like in Europe in so long. It is so different, you know what I mean? And I'm actually really excited about that. So I think that's going to be really fun because you know, I, I mean, it's just. Kind of the cool old poker player movie thing, you know, like this guy lives by his wits and he walks into a card room in Cambodia and he can make it happen, you know. But it's like you do have to like kind of come in and adjust. So, I mean, I'm going through this too. So like when I show up in Prague, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably go play a cash game, you know what I mean? And then that's gonna and kind of like adjust to it that way. And uh, yeah, so I would recommend you play a little bit. When you show up, uh, I, I think the big thing that I think rattles a lot of people is they think people are getting uh, tells off of you. I'm really convinced people do not get that many nonverbal hints off of people because it's taken me 10 years to get like a really remedial, like, okay with live tells. And not like big, they're not like big ones. It's just, can I tell if the person's comfortable or not? And then is this a guy who will get like you know, really worked up if he has a hand or is he really something that's really interesting with professionals is a lot of them are really relaxed with a bluff. Cause they know, you know, if they get raised, the hands over, but a lot of times with a hand, they're kind of sitting there like, Jesus Lord, what do I do here? If he does mm. again, you know what I mean? That's a, yeah. that's a, that, and that's really hard to separate because obviously with uh, recreational players, it's the opposite when they're bluffing, they, they, you know, you, you can see a man's like uh, throat warble a little bit. But, I mean, generally, the big thing is if people are staring at you, they're just kind of trying to make you feel intimidated. And, I, I mean, some, I, I, I'm really a big believer in this, but you should just stare back the first time and get within an inch of their face. And just, like, I, I'm a big believer in that. And then laugh as loud as you possibly can right into them. And then just go, all right, I guess we're doing the staring game. And then... This accomplishes two things. By the way, there's tons of stuff like this in live poker. One, just all these little gambits I've always wanted to share with people. I get to now, and it's so fun, right? But like, if you've ever sat at a table, they do this a lot in Europe, which is what was making me think of this. Although there's some guys who do this in 
the United States, but they're really into like, I'm looking at you, which is as somebody yeah. who actually picks up on live tells, I don't want the guy knowing I'm looking at them. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of like, I have to look at the pod for a second. I look behind him. Like I'm looking at the TV and then I, I'll look at him. I, I try to keep my face like softer so he doesn't feel like I'm trying to threaten him because then he's going to be natural. If I'm just staring at him, like I think I'm the Terminator, I'm looking at you, Carlos Welch. But like, if you just he wears his glasses and like doesn't breathe when he plays, right? Which, by the way, I can't. This is like the nicest dude I know. And then like at the table, he's just scary as hell. But yeah, anyway, like if you just stare at a guy, he's gonna be like not himself, and that's not really good, right? Because then it's kind of a production, and then. A lot of people, even if they get a little stiffer, that's a little harder to, you know, to pick up. But, yeah, if a guy ever is just, like, glaring at you, I, I think it's a really good idea to just look at him as fast as you can, get really close, and then laugh as loud as you can in their face. It's really uncomfortable, but I think you should practice being uncomfortable because this is a big thing I've always had since I was younger, which – help me in battle rap is, is like, I will not feel uncomfortable. You will feel uncomfortable before I feel uncomfortable. Right. And that is, that, that's really good in poker. Now, if you get there, you get a little used to it. You're probably going to realize all these people have jobs or, you know, if they're poker players, they have just as many problems as anyone else. Actually, I, I would bet a good deal. They have more problems than you and more money problems. And uh, I, I would just, you know, I it, get used to being in there and then, I think a big thing is don't don't play too many hands too fast. You know what I mean? If you get your like king queen offsuit and you're like early middle position, just go ahead and fold that and kind of get used to the pace of the game. Don't three bet your like queen nine suited uh, right away unless you, I mean don't don't do it. Like you might think the guy's a live one, but take your time when you adjust into it. This is kind of why you should get into the cash game mode a little bit. And then when you go to play the live tournament, you know. Uh, review your materials in the morning. I find that really helps me because then I start thinking of poker really analytically. And then when I'm, I'm in my analytical zone, I'm not really worried about, you know, the timing of anything or the mood or anything like that. I'm just kind of in the game. And I, I think, you know, don't open the big cards from early position. These days, everybody's going to squeeze you. Everybody's going to flat you. I think I, think, I mean, you know, if you're really, really good, you can play those hands. But, like, I, I don't consider myself that good. I just fold them a lot of the time. You know, I'm just like, ah, you know, this table looks tough, <laughs> right? And, you know, don't three-bet bluff. Don't three-bet semi-bluff unless you have, like, a really good uh, reason to do that. And then I find those are what lead to, like, the biggest pots. And I'll tell you what, like, in the WCP main event, which I cashed and gave myself a good chance of going further in, I didn't open anything, but like in early position, I didn't need to. Everybody thinks they're such a gangster now. They just, I would like open my Kings. The guy would call me down three streets and I'd be like, okay, here's my overpair. And they'd be like, ah, crap. You know, and they show me they're like Jack seven for like fourth pair. And I'm like, okay, gangster. All right, player. You know, like what? are you doing right you know what i mean like why does everybody think they're gus hansen now have you noticed yeah. this barry was it like this when you played in vegas just everybody thinks they're just the sickest who's ever walked the earth and they're just yeah was it like and like you say it doesn't even need to be forced the pots you win it just like you know yeah. it just plays out yeah exactly you just wait for i mean and then you have to this is what a lot of people don't like they don't like waiting an hour and 15 mm -hmm. minutes and then having like 
kings and having the flock come ace high. And it's like, well, you know, excuse me, guys, I don't try to use language on this show unless it's really necessary, but tough shit. You know what I mean? There's kids who are worried about going to a voting booth because they might get bombed out by the regime in charge. You can sit in an air-conditioned room and talk to other professionals about their job and learn a little something for an hour and 15 minutes. It's not going to kill you. You know what I mean? In the WSOP main event, I didn't get above my starting stack for like two and a half days or something. It was, it was late in day two. Excuse me, that was hyperbole. But like, it was late in day two before I got over the starting stack. Do you think I wasn't bored out of my mind for four hours of each day just doing nothing? But I had to, and this is another thing, Keep notes. Get an Evernote file in your uh, cell phone and just write down. See if you can write a note after every hand. Challenge yourself to do that. Every guy I've done that has been like, dude, I see into the Matrix now. And it's like, yeah, exactly. By the way, yeah. do you ever see Phil Ivey playing words with friends? When he play, eh, maybe that's a bad example. He might do that. But, like, do you ever <laughs> see, like, uh, damn, they're all kind of bad at this. No, but, like, it, like, Jason Mercier will play side games, but not that often. You'll see him pay pretty good attention. But, like, there's a lot of guys that, like, I remember Phil Ivey when he was younger and he was hungry, right? I don't, I don't know what he's doing now. Maybe he's just made, like, $20 billion in Macau for all I know. I have no idea, right? But, like, I remember walking into a poker room and I could feel Phil Ivey's gaze on me three tables away because he was so intense, you know what I mean? And he was just, he's kind of like, you know, he, he kind of sprawls at the table. And he's a bigger dude. So maybe out of the corner of my eye, I, it, and you know, I recognized him, you know, it's like Phil Ivey, but like when you were at a table with him, you felt it, you know what I mean? He wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing around, you know what I mean? And another thing I think is really good. Um, if, if you are like, this really helps me because I have like hyper vigilance but in like every noise will bother me. I just put my headphones on and then I don't turn anything on. Right. And then with the earbuds in, you can still hear everything. It's just a little subdued, but it just kind of like turns down the volume a little bit. And because going into a card room is kind of like a sensory overload. You have like the dealer shouting. There's this labored hiss of a dying snake of all the chips rattling around you. There's people hollering about flops. They didn't like there's, you know, there's drink girls running around and it's like, if you normally, like, play poker in your home, this is quite a difference. So, like, I just leave my headphones in all the time, and I feel great, you know? So I, I hope these tips have helped you, man. Good luck to you. Have a good time. Let us know how it goes, you know, yeah, if, if you win something. Luck. You know, if, uh, yeah. if you bust, I don't really care. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just it's a joke. It's a joke. Let us know how you're doing. Anyhow. Yeah. Okay, next question. Uh, let me see this one. Tournaments again. So let's go. Uh, Brian. Uh, hi, Barry and Alex. Love the show as always, and I have sent this question in. Could you discuss playing marginal hands in late stages of tournaments? Example being in the money with 15 to 20 big blinds, mm-hmm. same middle position raises, and we have pocket sixes through to nines, maybe tens. Is shoving here good? Also, say we raised it in mid position with no action before us, and someone shoves after. I know we are not beating much in flip usually at best, but given tournament nature and escalating blinds, should we just be playing here? Any thoughts? Well, these are, these are, thank you for your question, by the way. 
And uh, these are really different questions. Uh, I mean, these are really different categories. Like nines or eights, I raise call with a lot because you get a lot of like a seven suited, a six suited on down. Shoving Shoving in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Five, sixes, sevens. People shove a lot. Maybe not the fours, threes, and twos. They're going to do that from like middle position and stuff like that. Whereas like sixes and sevens, a lot of times a move I like to do is like, let's say I'm in earlier mid position. I'll limp with that hand. And if somebody raises who's, you know, just, you know, another one of these gangsters, you know, and he raises and it comes back to me, I'm just jamming, right? With my 16, 17 mm-hmm. X. I'm actually kind of rooting the big blind to call. You know what I mean? Because, you know, 3X, 3X, I jam, and then, you know, everybody folds. Uh-huh. I'm up to 25X. It's a pretty big deal in a uh-huh. tournament, right? And you know that, you know, some of these ass clowns are opening, like, queen two suited from the cutoff when somebody lamps, right? So you got a lot of fold equity there. And uh, whereas, like, raising, a lot of times, that's fine if you don't think many people are going to come in behind. Well, it's really weird. If everybody's going to flat you, it's okay, and if everybody's going to fold, that's okay. Or if the only guy who's going to call is the big blind, that's okay. If there's going to be a lot of three betting behind you, you should limp, jam, or just fold, in my opinion, right? And there's a – by the way, guys, to let you know how long it takes to get decent at this game, that was a situation I struggled with for nine and a half years before I found – and actually maybe the only reason it's working for me now is because everybody just iso-raises like an idiot. You know, maybe back in the day where they were better at that, that which is that, – that's the other thing. People do this like poker's getting tougher. It's like, oh, bull. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you been in a card room lately? Like, yeah, they fire their chips in and maybe they hit some cards, but that's why you got to be rolled, man. But, like, no, I, I – uh, you know, like, if everybody's just going to call you, okay, now you have a set mining hand, and it's going to be quite in mine if it, you you pull something out of, if you uh, flop your set. And, if, you know, if you miss, you just check fold, no harm, no foul. If the big blind's the only guy that's going to call you, good, you have a little something to play with him. Uh, you know, if everybody's three-betting you, just, yeah, the limp jam. Uh, with the nines and eights, yeah, usually in today's poker climate, I mean, that's just, like, gold to me. I mean, I see so many goofy bluffs that I don't – even, like, 60-year-olds get in on this. Like, <laughs> there's so many times I have, like, nines, I open, the 60-year-old jams, like, 17x. And honestly, I do not call here all the time. But, like, if I see the guy talking to, like, a younger guy, if I see he has familiarity with the chips, I, a lot of times I'll call, and then I see, like, king four off, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. And then if the guy hits the king and somebody's complaining behind me, I'm like, you shut up right now. You be quiet right now. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, it, 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 I think uh, a lot of times, and I, I fold a lot of pairs from early. You know what I mean? Like, if I have sixes under the gun plus one, and behind me it's just a, a bunch of guys who wish they were on the murderers row. You know what I mean? Just trying to play a bunch of hands. I just muck. I just you know I fold a lot of hands, and I mean it never comes up. Like on EPT Live, it never came up because who wants to show me? folding sixes if it was just a raised fold hand you know what i mean like nobody really cares about that stuff folding is a big deal you know what i mean there's a lot of times like if you watch ufc like there's a lot of times you'll notice like conor mcgregor is leaving himself open and the other guy knows it's a trap right and he's not gonna punch and that's a real sign of discipline you know until he gets his ass knocked out six minutes later but like there's a lot of times uh, if you watch those guys, 
they leave themselves open and it's a trap, right? And there's a lot of times in poker, you'll have like what looks like a really good shot. Like sixes, 90% of it, 95% of the time I'm raising, but there, you have to know the one time out of 20, it's going to be a trap behind you. So you just muck, right? But there's a lot of guys that, this is one of those questions I'm asking people all the time. What percentage of the time do you do this? And like with sixes, they'll be like, well, I open here 90% of the time and I fold 10% of the time. And I go, do you? And they're like, no, I open here 100% of the time. And I'm like, but you know that's wrong, right? Yes, I do know that's wrong. So what are the 10% of situations while well, they look like this? So why don't you do that the next time? And you come back and you report to me that you did it, okay? And that I find will really help you a little bit more. Visualize the whole hand. Don't let anybody rush you, okay? Like this happens a lot in live poker. It gets folded to me and I fold hyper fast 99% of the time because when it's on me, I'm going to take... 12 seconds if I need it, right? And I'm going to sit there for a second and think about it. If it would, you know, because I can't think of the entire range before it gets to me. I, I have a rough idea, but I need to think through it. And then, you know, if after 12 seconds you don't want to open, just fold. You know, that's fine. I mean, I always kind of laugh when people do that too, because usually it's a guy trying to be like, I'm so sick. You know, I'm so sick at this <laughs> table. You are going to feel my presence. You are not at a table with a Russian. You are at the Russian's table, my friend. But yeah, anyway, no, this was a specific guy that I'm imitating, by the way, <laughs> that I had to listen to a lot of. He knew a lot about poker, but by God, he was funny. He was the most unintentionally funny dude I've ever. And the other problem was I'd always like laugh. Like when he would do that, and he'd be like, why are you laughing? You know what I mean? But yeah, anyway. Okay, guys, next question. Are we good? Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm last gonna... last question for today. We'll All do right. one more. One more. One more. We did we did indulge you at the start. Yeah, yeah, um... we did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, this one is from Pete and hello, can you talk about playing with the ACR rate back? What sort of game should I be should I be playing if playing a hundred NL say on ACR? I'm trying not to make this a how-to-play-poker question, but some, <laughs> but some remarks on overall style strategy given... Uh, oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Remarks on overall style slash strategy given we have the percentage of rate back on our profit also. Thanks. You have to be so aggressive. now. Okay, anyway, you have to... I love it when people are like, I'm so aggressive, and they tell you their poker is so aggressive. It's like, okay. It's like when guys brag about banging chicks it's like I, I don't know how you want me to respond <laughs> like good for you but like no stylistically sorry i just haven't had anybody ask i'm not making fun of you by the way dude i just haven't asked heard anyone ask about a style question in a while that used to be when people would people used to ask each other poker players they used to ask other poker players like what what's your style? I remember that like in 2007, 2008. And the way the guy was talking, it was like he was trying to talk about like how good he was in bed. It sounded like, oh, I'm so, I just get in there and I'm so aggressive, right? And it's like, okay. But yeah, anyhow, I think a, a lot of the things is you just drop your marginal hands. Uh, you want to play a lot of tables. Uh, I think most of, when I was playing cash games for a living, a lot of my money came from rake back. But where I really did a lot better was I focused on big blind, small blind, button. Those were the positions I really focused on. And then eventually I expanded into the cutoff. Now, the cutoff didn't really require as much mastery as I thought it would. 
it was really a big question of you put the cold call stat stat there, you put his three bet percentage, you know, when you have an off hour, that's the other thing. A lot of your, your edge comes from what you do before the game. If you sit there, uh, like what I used to do is I would take out a notepad and I would look at all this, the reg statistics and I would write out a list of plays that I thought would work versus them. And then I would ask myself, honestly, like with your image, do you think they're going to fold? And then I'd scratch out ones that I didn't think would work. And then I would just ruthlessly focus on the situations that I thought were good. And most of them were pretty damn simple. It was like, this guy folds the, I mean, in the old days, you don't get this as much as you used to, but it used to be this guy folded to the big blind steal like 77% of the time because he was multi-tabling. And then on the flop, he would fold. I mean, you still actually at 100 NL, you're going to get this. Uh, you'll have a guy who folds the big blind a large percentage of the time, or he folds to the C-bet a lot of the time. So a lot of the times, I would write down C-bet, don't bet the turn. Now, that might sound like, you know, dead basic poker, but there's a lot of times you get into like the cash game. You get into cash games for like months. You start seeing ghosts, you know what I mean? You're like, C-bets don't work, you know what I mean? And there are other guys who's like, their full to flop C-bet is like 30. Their full to turn bet is like 40. And then their full to like river bet is like 62. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, 62, I'm, I'm sure that's not distributed evenly. I'm sure if it's like an ace high board and he has an ace, maybe he holds on, maybe he doesn't. Let me pay attention to that. Does he, does he hero call on dry boards? Does he hero call on wet boards? And then if you you put together kind of like a profile of where the guy's weaknesses are. And then you just hammer on those. And a lot of the work, since you're not going to be able to do the work at the tables while you're 14 tabling or whatever it is, you got to do it beforehand. Right. And, you know, you add tables just below your level as well. Play some 50 NL while you're at it. And uh, really the, you know, most of my focus would be button versus big blind. Right. So it would be like who calls too much in what spots. And if they just called down all the time, that wasn't a problem either. It just meant, you know, the board came King Jack eight and I had ace Jack. I had to go for three straights. That was it. You know what I mean? And a lot of guys weren't making that adjustment. And you think about how big a river bet is within the context of your earn rate. It, it, you know, it's, it's quite a bit, you know what I mean? If it's like 22 big blinds or something like that, if you're missing that, and uh, another guy isn't, that guy's going to out-earn you and move up faster than you, right? So another thing, uh, another thing was, what would I do from the big blind? Who was going to gun down on me and who wasn't about that life? You know what I mean? And uh, it, there were some guys who were, you know, it, it, they were barrelers and I had to be prepared for them. And there were just other guys who didn't have that in them, right? And then, by the way, I had to update every week. There were sometimes, you know, you filter for statistics for the last week, and it's like, you know, somebody caught this, taught this jackass out of barrel, and I've been fooled into him all week. Damn it. You know, like you would just get pissed at yourself, right? And by the way, that happens all the time. It's going to happen to you too, you know, but I, I think that's kind of how you prepare and you really like, you know, you stack up buy-ins and you stack up right back, and then, yeah, you live the good life walking the, yeah. walking the streets of Seoul, living out of a suitcase, living Barry's dream. You know what I mean? But yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. And Alex, actually, I've just remembered here. Um, I got an email from you this week on your mailing list. You've got a new offer out for people for your coaching and stuff. 
if you want to just touch on that and wrap up your other ways how people can get in touch with you etc i don't know why but when you said offer i just i i, I thought of me rattling a tin can like hey guys help a brother out yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like the guy on the strip uh in vegas he sings that song was it put a buck in my cup and I'll shut the fuck up. He was like, he sits for like, honestly, you're walking past, like, you know, on the walkways that connect like, each side of the road. And uh, he's like, put a buck in my cup, I will shut the fuck up. He just kept, kept doing it. That's all he did over and over and over. And I was like, Jesus. I would have done it. I would, I, it shows creativity. I would yeah. do it, man. I, I give, by the way, this is one of my like weaknesses. I give money to like literally everyone who asks, like as long as it's under like a dollar or it's a dollar because it, to me, you know what I mean? It's just one of those weird things. And it's like, but if you show some creativity, two bucks, you know, yeah. but yeah, anyhow, uh, not that I walk the strip and just do that. By the way, I have a plan. Screw me making money. Let me tell you my plan for battle rap. I have an idea. I'm going to make somebody record this. You know how there's all those guys selling their rap CDs on the strip? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you're just like, what kind of bum does this? I'm going to get the Saurus or myself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there with a camera, and I'm going to tell these guys, I will buy every CD you have and tip you $20 if you can beat me in a battle. And we're going to have the crowd vote on it, right? And then I'm just going to come with the sickest riddance and kick his ass, and I'm still going to give him 20 bucks. But, like, because I don't, but I was thinking it'd be way cooler with the Saurus because he can actually freestyle, right? But, and he, I think he could put some of these dudes in their place that don't, like, you know, just grow up and scene and, like, doing it the, uh, I don't know. I was going to say it's not that hard because my little brother bought one a couple of years ago and it was a blank CD. <laughs> <laughs> that's my hero dude he was like roped it like felt sorry on the guy and stuff gave him money got back home like it's just a blank nothing on it I, I, I'm not joking with you I would be very happy if I got a blank CD as opposed to some of the crap I've heard in Vegas right it, it's like because like a blank CD like every every laptop has a CD burner one day and who knows you might be stuck in a crappy rental and that might be your godsend what am i going to do with you know tequila joe's nine track ep that he did in his brother's basement you know what i mean but like yeah, anyway uh yeah uh we have a new coaching program it's a 5 hour coaching program the reason i was doing it is it's kind of you know i've always had this like i have my first lesson right and with the first lesson, I have a lot of things that I try to cram in there, and that's that's fine. I, I really take pride in if you if you buy one lesson, you're going to get a ton from it. You're going to get a total tune-up of your game. You know what I mean? It's it's not like a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches are the equivalent of a mechanic getting your car and being like, yeah, this is what's wrong with the car. Now pay me. It's like, no, 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 you're supposed to fix it. I will fix it. I will show you how to fix it yourself when you go home so you do not have to come back to the shop. But with fu the other thing I've always liked doing is like five-hour packages because I do have like five hours of really concentrated material that I do personally and stuff that it will make you sweat. You will have to do homework. You will have to come back to me. I I'm not in a place where I need... I, you know, there's some students that kind of like, they have a bit of an attitude and they half-ass it. I don't want you. 
I want the guys that really want to change their game. And I know a lot of you guys are out there and we're going to do, uh, if you get the five hour package, it's nine ninety nine, and you also get a free copy of Flopzilla. You get a free extra lesson with me and you get a free copy of the myth of poker talent. And if you have any of those things, Flopzilla or the myth of poker talent, you're not going to be punished. You're going to be rewarded. I will come up with something else for you based on our first lesson, what I think will actually work for you, but that's $250 in extras. So you want to make sure you get on this because we're limited to 25 entrants and uh, you know, the first 10 people get the goodies. So I want you to go ahead and write me at Alex at And if you don't get a response right away, you can just write me back again, assassinatorcoaching at gmail.com. And uh, we got, just so you know, that this is moving fast. This is what I'm a savant at is personal lessons. You know what I mean? We're still, we're still learning the Vimeo pro site. We're still learning the website stuff. That is not the case when it comes to poker lessons. This is, you will get the best poker lesson money can buy if you sign up with me, but you have to move fast. Like I looked at my email inbox before I showed up here and there was no less than 15 people already applying for it. So you want to, uh, I don't know if they've sent their money yet or not. Kind of the unofficial rule I've always had is whoever gets their money to the account first. But yeah, if you want to skip the line, it's alexfitzgerald88 at gmail.com on PayPal, assassinato, Costa Rica, uh, Japanese symbol, white Japanese symbol on a black background on Pogostars, and Fitzgerald underscore Alex at yahoo.com on Skrill. So yeah, guys, uh, great to be here. Thanks, uh, thanks for letting me talk about myself for a minute. I don't normally like to do that, but thank you for yeah. letting me open up. Yeah, it's yeah. usually fat and fun. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that was a sarcastic Scottish comment. That is exactly your guys' sense of humor. All right, guys, this is fun. Okay, and uh, thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming in for Alex next week. Questions at oneouter.com on email, and we will get to them on that show or a future one. Uh, thanks for everyone that took the time of writing today. We hope we've answered them all. And see you all next week. Cheers. Boring normal cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.